The party is split. Three of the survivors are trapped at the DIY center. Some are getting out of a crashed car next to the BWP where others are trying to help them get out. Others are in their cars scattered around Burbank. This is the story of our players in Outbreak Undead, part of RPG Storytime. Derek and Karen's car dropped down the ramp into the parking garage of the building which held the radio station. They raced past some parked cars to the elevator bays and came to a screeching halt. The only weapons they had were butcher knives and makeshift shields, but they prepared them and exited the car. As soon as they did, they heard fast-moving shuffling, like someone running. Did they know we were coming? Derek asked. Karen saw what was coming and said, This is something else. Dressed in workout gear, complete with headbands, four fit zombies dashed out of the stairwell coming straight for them. They appeared to have come from the building's fitness center. Derek and Karen readied their shields, and when the first couple zombies made it to them, the survivors used their momentum to deflect them away. They then stabbed the next ones, Karen hitting her mark, Derek slipping on the sweat of the second, and not scoring an effective hit. The zombies came back at them, clawing at their sides. Karen and Derek hid behind their shields and pulled back toward their car in defensive stances. They tried to push back on the monsters, but accomplished nothing. One of them hurried around the side and got a flank shot, tearing Derek's clothes. He swung back, but slipped and fell. One of the others jumped on Karen's shield and pushed her to the ground. The survivors were helpless on their backs, trying to kick, but only feeding them their legs. Derek felt one of them grab his foot. Saliva dropped out of his skin as the beast opened its mouth to bite down on him. Then suddenly its head dropped past onto the ground. The weight on Karen's shield vanished as her zombie lashed at something behind it, then fell limp to the ground. Derek and Karen pulled away their shields and saw the last fitness zombie slain with the sword. They could not see who this person was that had just saved them. She was silhouetted in the bright sunlight from the entrance. She stood above them with blood dripping off her, the sword held above her head, as though preparing to slay them next. Nestor shot down one of the zombies close to the entrance of BWP, then a second. Sniping from above, he was clearing a path for the survivors to get inside. But then more shots came at him from the south, barely missing him and pinning him down. All he could do now was watch helplessly as the crowd closed in around those in the street. The more conscious ones laughed as they pulled up their guns. The survivors of the car crash had nothing to oppose them but sharp sticks and knives. Mason had come to just enough to stand on his own and get ready to die. He noticed that Carrie was backing up towards some of the zombies behind her, and he called out for her to be careful. One of the men with a gun shot her in the leg. She fell right in front of the zombies, who clawed at her. Mason and Claire raced toward her and began to drag her away. Then one of the zombies snatched Claire's hair and yanked her toward it. She screamed, but it was cut short. As quickly as it had grabbed her, it had its teeth deep in her neck. Mason called out for the woman who had saved his life, but he had been unable to do the same for her. So he instead helped Carrie get free. Carrie turned and saw what had happened to her friend. And now she screamed and cried for Claire helplessly. The gunmen cackled harder, mocking their pain. Seth noticed that zombies weren't attacking the ones with the guns, even after they had shot. Why aren't the zombies attacking those guys? He asked, almost half toward the zombies. Guess we're not as tasty, one of the gunmen answered. And he raised his gun at Seth. The DJ interrupted, saying, Ah, 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 leave that one alive. As the gunmen looked disappointed, the survivors sighed a little with relief. Then the DJ said, Kill the others! Everyone tensed and readied their spears. They would have to make a charge. Then one of the gunmen said, Just wound their legs and leave them for the dead to eat. The other gunmen laughed and cheered, and they raised their guns. Shots rang out, but instead of the car wreck survivors falling, the zombies near the entrance fell. 
The rattle of automatic machine gun fire now filled the air as three figures emerged from the gate, mowing down zombies. Nasiba and Ken fanned out to the sides, opening a clearing, and Tommy focused on the gunman. They turned on him, but within two seconds they were all shot down. Unfortunately, he missed one in the crowd of zombies, and she had a bead on Tommy, close range. Then her head exploded, blown off from a perfect shot from the tower where Nestor was now cleared to snipe from above. The path was clear, and the car crash survivors hurried into the gate. The mass of Walking Dead were not scared off by the gunfire, but rather drawn to it like flies to a bug zapper. There were so many that even the automatic fire would not keep up. So as soon as all the survivors were in, Tommy's team pulled back into the compound and closed the gate behind them. Nestor looked around and found why he was no longer being pinned down. The others who had been shooting at him were now climbing over the walls at other parts of the compound. He called into the walkie, two coming over the wall at Lake near Nickelodeon Studios, three more along Olive Avenue. He took a shot, then another, just barely missing. Nasiba handed the guns out to those who didn't have any, and Ken and Tommy lugged them out to the parts of the compound where they were coming in. Another three just slipped in from the Tournament of Roses, Nestor said as he fired. A shot rang out. Make that two. Ken knew the compound better than Tommy, so he led the team to the area that was harder to navigate while Tommy went after the ones along Olive Avenue. There was a wide clearing there, and they were able to shoot them down as they tried to run across it. Ken's team found one of their targets maneuvering around some buildings and shot them down. They got a glimpse of the other one, but she slipped by. Ken took chase as he called it in. Keiko knew this meant the person was coming toward her, so she grabbed out her pistol and leaned out the door. Sure enough, the killer was running right for her, so she lifted the pistol and fired, hitting the person square in the chest and knocking her on her ass. Nestor took down another target coming from the east, but he lost track of the third until he felt a bullet rip through his shoulder. He fell over screaming, and the others could hear him without the use of their walkie-talkies. Tommy and his team ran to where they heard the gunshot. They took defensive positions, but the invader never came. Finally, Tommy hurried forward a few meters and caught the last glimpse of the attacker jumping back over the wall to retreat. The battle was over. Back at DIY, Trish and Marion were trying to keep Bill comfortable, and most of all, quiet. They had come to terms with the fact that whatever was in his body was now fatal, and he could not be saved. But his death throes could be the death of all of them if he made enough noise to attract the monsters. The gunfire down the street was distracting them, but it was also causing some of them from the opposite side of the building to walk past. So Trish and Marion took a branch from one of the plants and stuck it in Bill's mouth to gag him. All the while, Trish stroked his head and comforted him with, Shh. She didn't know if it was getting through to him. He was sweating profusely and his eyes were rolling back. He seemed more unconscious than conscious. Marion asked Keiko over the walkie-talkie if they were going to be able to make a rescue attempt anytime soon. Keiko was doubtful. But now that they were fully armed, they might be able to see what they could do. Then another caller appeared on the line. This voice was whispering, cautious. It was Derek. I'm at the radio station building, he said. We can't talk much, but we, um... We met up with someone. Everyone froze. Tommy and Nasibu were now in the control room with Keiko. Their hearts sank. Derek and Karen must have been captured. He sounded like he was in distress. It's probably the ransom, Tommy said before Keiko could turn on the mic. We can't offer them anything. No matter how much they pull at our heartstrings, we can't cave in or we're all dead. Agreed? Keiko and Nasiba nodded, and Keiko turned the mic back on. We're with you, Derek. Stay strong. Go ahead and put them on. Derek handed the walkie to the person with the sword. Hi, guys, the voice said. This is Jamie. I found out what's going on with this whole apocalypse thing and how we can put an end to this. 
Tune in next week to find out what happens next. And if you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!